Welcome to episode 28 of Void Video. I'm your host, Evan Jordan, a.k.a. That Evan Jordan on Twitter. And I am Nick, a.k.a. Agent Relic on Twitter. And today we have a, a revenge triple feature of sorts. Only one of them's different than the other two. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would dub it almost the antithesis of a revenge film. Because it's like, yeah. it goes against what a revenge film is. Or typically yeah. is. Typically but, is, yeah. But it also uh, kind of is a callback to an earlier episode where we covered uh, two Nicolas Cage movies, um, Mandy and Color Out of Space. So I guess... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess we could reveal that it is Pig is the one we both watch, and then we each watched a different revenge film that we're going to bring up, I guess. Yeah, we brought it back to the, the, the quote-unquote throwback formula here of what we used to do when we first started out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Pig, I think it would work, like, because we said Mandy and Color Out of Space, like, they work as a double feature, but not really. But I think Pig and Mandy are, like, 1A and 1B. Like, yeah, they're very, very thematically similar, but completely different in how they approach. And also opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're completely opposite in how they approach. Yeah, when the Pig Blu-ray comes out, I'm, I'm double featuring that for sure. I wish we could had a time machine and we could rewind so we could pair Mandy and Pig together, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. But uh, Pig is the 2021, Wikipedia dubs it the American thriller drama. So they, they dub it a thriller drama. It's directed by Michael Sarnowski, and this is his directorial debut. And it's also... Which re- is crazy to me. Like... That this, that, like, you come out of the gate with this. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, and it's written by Michael Sarnowski and Vanessa Block, and this was also her feature-length directorial debut for writing. I'm Man. curious on how Nicolas Cage got involved in all of this, because it seems very, yeah. almost personal to him. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, and Alex Wolf too, you know, like, it's, it's, and, and you, you mentioned this, that in the trivia on, uh, IMDb it actually says that Nicolas Cage is one of Alex Wolf's favorite actors. So yeah, it says that that's pretty is, cool that he got to work. Yeah, with. it says he is his favorite actor. So oh wow, okay, yeah. So that was probably really cool for him. And it's I'd like to know the story behind that. Uh, yeah, you know, if you guys are listening to this, come, come on our podcast. I'm sure Nicolas Cage is waiting on this episode of Void Video to release. You know, yeah, he's got, he's got a <laughs> what's that called an RSS feed anytime anyone posts a podcast. podcast. <laughs> he's, he's aware of us from the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's right they yeah they've been yeah. put back in the barn hours ago you haven't even fed them yet have you dad i tried but... what do you mean you tried do you have any idea how much those animals cost us they are alpacas alpacas he might take the spot now as the most talked about actor with three movies right yeah probably because i think we um... we had two elijah wood movies question mark I thought, Did we? Well, no, because we had the producer thing with Elijah Wood. We brought him up on back-to-back episodes, I remember. Elijah Wood. Yeah. Yeah, and then we actually have a... It's still in our back pocket, an Elijah Wood double feature that well, maybe you'll get one day. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, yeah, Nicolas Cage, this will be the third film we've covered of his. And once again, we both think it's great. So, definitely check it out. It's on uh, VOD right now. Uh, and it will obviously eventually probably come to Blu-ray and stuff, but for right now it's VOD only, and it's a $20 rental on pretty much any service 
or a $20 buy. I believe there's a $6 rental on any service, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, and this is probably my fa single favorite movie of the year so far. Like, I, I, I teared up when the credits rolled on this movie. I got emotional, and, like, that doesn't happen a lot, you know? So this, this really affected me, and I really, really liked it. And I'm so hyped to, like, get the Blu-ray and see what kind of bonus features are on there and dive into that. Yeah. Yeah, but the the movie follows Robin Feld. Uh, he's called a Rob throughout the movie, so we we'll just call him Rob. But uh, he yeah. is a Portland. He's from Portland. He lives in like a remote cabin by himself, and he used to be a chef. But now he raises a pig and sells truffles to. This part was unclear to me on if it was like a drug thing, but I looked it up a bit after and truffle like truffle. Like, it's a real thing. It's like a food, I guess, or some sort of... Yeah. Jess explained it to me when we were watching, because we watched this together. And I'm like, what is this? Because I had never heard of it. And, like, she she was like, it's it's a truffle pig. He finds the truffles that they used to cook. And I'm like, is this a drug? Like, are they getting high off these things? Like, mushrooms? And she's like, no, they use them to cook. And I, like, I paused the movie and did, like, a five-minute research trip to, to Google and tried to learn what these things were <laughs> yeah because after the movie ended i was just like what the fuck did they need the pig for like what's the tr truffle pig i don't get i thought they were getting something off the pig but it wasn't the tr pig like seeks it out finds these things yeah. yeah in like the forest but uh yeah this pig is a, a one of a kind to uh rob and uh so he sells the truffles to this I would say he's like probably early twenties. Yeah, he's like a little hotshot young guy, kind of with a rich dad. Yeah, and, and his dad owns a a restaurant, and like yeah, like a really fancy restaurant. Um, but one night, night did it happen during the day or during the night? That no, it's at night because he he's asleep. Yeah. Okay. So one night while he's sleeping, uh, a group of people break in and steal the pig and that sets him on a course of revenge to retrieve the pig yeah and he's kind of this guy is not you know like in in your typical revenge movie usually the person has like contacts and stuff they start hitting up this guy doesn't have like he lives out here in this this cabin in the woods and he doesn't really talk to anybody outside of amir and amir brings him supplies and and then you know pays him too and and trades him for the truffles. You know what but else? Like he's he doesn't talk to many people. I would compare this to is it's definitely not action packed, and we'll get to that in a bit. But it it reminds me a lot of John Wick and how it thrusts you not at the beginning of the story, but you're in the middle of the story, and it drip feeds you the inf the backstory throughout the movie. Yeah. So, so throughout the movie, you're learning things about him and why he is the way yeah, he who is. he is yeah and know. like what yeah why he's living out there and what happened and yeah and it's it's paced to where it i think it hits really good when you learn the stuff yeah yeah but so essentially you're starting in the middle of the movie and then you get to learn it's like at the beginning of the movie you don't know that he's a chef you learn that a bit in that he was a chef right. and uh he had a a wife and she recently passed away i'm not sure they never explained any of that. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't say like how she died or anything. Um, but it's clear. And it never. 
it's it's pretty clear that it's pretty recent and he's still not completely over that either so it's a very it's a very melancholy revenge film like he's very muted and very quiet yeah and he's like not i don't know he's not like so like violent and angry and just i don't know like he's a different kind of person seeking revenge than your typical protagonist in a revenge film yeah and i guess the rest of the setup of the movie is that he him and amir who is the person he sells the uh the truffles to um rob enlists amir's help in like trying to track down the pig because he doesn't have a vehicle <laughs> so he, he right. needs, a, he needs yeah. a ride essentially and they, they kind of form a bond throughout the movie that i thought was really well done too so yeah i agree it uh it kind of you, you notice that it like from the beginning of the movie to the end their relationship has completely changed and evolved uh wow beautiful I know this little fucker does it. How do you do it? <laughs> you sure you don't want one of those um, camp showers? You know, the ones with the propane and the hot water? What about that phone? I don't want to be the one to drive up and find you, like, dead. You know, there's, like, animals and shit out here. Okay. Oh. Good talk, Rob. Because at the beginning, they kind of, I don't know, are almost mean to each other. Like, talk shit to each other. And, like, Nicholas Cage really doesn't, Rob doesn't say anything. Yeah, he, it's, it's clear <laughs> that Rob is, like, just using him to get the money, right? And right. the other way around, too. Like, he's just using him to get the truffles. So the only reason he's going to help Rob is because he needs to get his truffles because <laughs> he's selling yeah them. yeah that's what amir even goes like why why would i help you what like you're not even my friend and then he's like but do you like getting my truffles and he's like yeah and he's like well then you're gonna help me <laughs> uh, i forgot to mention this but i did text you after i finished it, or i think it was yeah but uh it was like after i finished it or something but uh I didn't know that, so I hadn't watched any of the trailers. I didn't know anything. I just saw the poster, the Nicolas Cage thing, and I seen people praising his performance and all that. I was shocked when the, when uh, Amir pulled up in a car because I was for certain that this whole movie was going to take place in a forest and it yeah, was like thought, a period piece. Yeah, I thought it was a period piece as well, and because like you said, I didn't. I didn't you, well, I've mentioned this before. I'm not a trailer guy, really. Like, and especially since it was a Nicolas Cage movie, like I'm just in, you know, and. It was already getting rave reviews and stuff, and like like you said, it was just a, I was gonna watch it anyway, so I didn't need to read into it. And I I definitely was a little surprised by the uh, the the Camaro uh, whipping up to the cabin as well. <laughs> yeah, he's got like a, a souped up Camaro with like it's got this weird paint color to it that like I don't know it, it's clearly a, a young young kid's car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, I, I don't know how much further do we go with the story. Do I we guess just go into thoughts now. Yeah, I guess we could just say yeah. So they go to Portland to to trace, try to trace the pig, and they go through a variety of means to get there. But 
Uh, yeah, I don't think we want to spoil the actual beat of the story, so I guess right. okay, that's the setup. So uh, we'll go into general thoughts. Yeah, and I since we just mentioned Portland, I, I guess I'll start by saying I love the the setting. You know I'm a sucker for the stuff that's set out west, and I love the... the it's like all that's shot in Portland and around Portland and then like in the Oregonian wilderness and stuff, and it's just beautiful scenery and... And uh, captured with really great cinematography. Yeah. Yeah, it looked very grounded. And yeah. it almost all takes place over one day. Or like a couple, like two days maybe, uh, man. Just, a, just, yeah, two or three days. Like, it's it's a not a long period of time. It's like, like almost real time? Kinda? No, I mean, not really, but... <laughs> I mean, yeah, but you don't follow them every second, but you it, it shows you kind of every step along the way. You don't you don't get skipped around much, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's an, a 90-minute film covering two days, so yeah. that's not, definitely Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to me, the best part of the movie was the script. There was a lot of really in-depth conversations that they had about things because Amir kind of shares with Rob that his mother had recently committed suicide and like Rob is trying to like pry into him on how why he doesn't just go work for his dad and like Amir gives him this thing about hey I want to build my own you know I want to build myself up before I go and help him you know right and I, he doesn't want to just live under his dad's shadow forever he wants to have his own name you know yeah and I really love there's a lot of really like long extended dialogue sequences and I thought they were all really good. Yeah, the script is great, and the and the performances really bring it to life. Because I think Alex Wolf and uh, Nicolas Cage both do a phenomenal job and put in fantastic performances. Yeah. And Nicolas Cage is kind of I, this is a different performance for him too, because he does a lot of like really over the top and like fucking crazy performances, especially recently. Yeah, like and, like Mandy is like that. Like it's not like yeah. super crazy. It's kind of the mixture of the two, where it's like yeah, kind of muted, but also he gets crazy when he needs to. But this movie, he does not lose his cool at all. Like yeah, it's definitely like how we said it's the like the antithesis of a revenge film it's also the antithesis of a Nicolas Cage movie <laughs> yeah like, it, it definitely is <laughs> like you compare this to like Willy's Wonderland or something else he's done recently that's just insane <laughs> yeah exactly color out of space you know uh all that stuff is super crazy and his performances are are have like a lot of absurdity and outlandishness to to him and which is great for those movies but it's just really cool to see him do give like such an emotional performance in this and he i don't know he really just nails it and does a great job and kind of cements himself among my favorite actors as well because he's just he he's got a range you know yeah um anything else you want to bring up thoughts wise uh the the pit there i really like the especially in the opening kind of sequences of the movie you get a glimpse at kind of the relationship between rob and the pig and i think it's like super wholesome and just like i, I don't know it really was was cool like seeing just it because like i i don't know i've been like in a situation in my life before where i didn't have anyone and all i have was my dog and like he was my friend you know and like he and it and it 
this pig has even meaning even beyond that, you know? So it's like, it's really a special relationship and it's cool. And also the pig is like probably the most adorable pig I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not going to go that far, but uh, I did like that because <laughs> uh, Amir at what? I think right at the beginning, he just goes, why don't you just get a new pig? <laughs> and he's like, this is a special pig. Like, it would take me yeah. years to train a pig to be, and it would never be as good as that pig, you know? Right. It was, which is why it was wanted and, like, why, obviously, it was stolen because <laughs> it was the best. Like, obviously, he was getting right. the best truffles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This was King Truffle, you know? And, uh. It's I don't it was really cool too how to see it like a revenge movie framed around the Portland restaurant scene. Yeah. <laughs> like, well that's just so random and different and creative. Yeah, that so the movie takes them through Portland and they go to some places that you're like does this really exist i don't know yeah like the portland restaurant scene is it's it's interesting and i'm curious on where they got that inspiration for doing that because it is definitely unique yeah i wonder if this is like a thing you know like if they if these restaurant people are like at like you know extreme like this kind of like really hardcore into it and i don't know the amir's dad is kind of like a shady dude a little bit you know yeah definitely it's like he's like a, a mob boss almost. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. But he's like a restaurant owner. He's like a restaurant baron. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that was a super interesting and, and unique kind of way to tell a story and place to tell a story. Yeah, and I like how they did not. There's there's one instance of viol or I guess two technically, but the one is not really violence against a person. But there's one instance of violence against a person, and I thought like going into it like when they started going to portland i was like oh man he's just gonna go start breaking heads and to get the information he wants but it's clear that rob does not he's not interested in that he just wants the pig back and he doesn't right you know gonna, he's not gonna use violence to get what he wants which is why i think yeah. it's opposite of a revenge film because he never uses violence to get what he wants yeah exactly he's like he's definitely like you said that the antithesis of of the typical uh revenge film protagonist you know yeah because he, he just he, his moral compass is so different than most of them's yeah and he just uses his words to get what he wants the information he wants because he knows how to yeah <laughs> like that that restaurant scene with him and that other chef that you yeah that's what i was just gonna bring up but uh he, he, he knows the words to get under people's skin i guess and there's one scene where they go to a restaurant because I guess they figured out that like the truffle, maybe some of the truffles were delivered there, so they were trying to find like the source of it to see if they right. like they had information on the pig or anything. But uh, they call out the shit. So he sits down at the restaurant. You know, they order the food, and Amir isn't really supposed to be there because it's like stepping on his dad's turf. Uh, because his dad sells truffles there, and not, yeah. not Amir. <laughs> So, like, he, he's not supposed to be there, but, like, you know, he gets a reservation, they go sit down, and he just, like, I need to speak to the chef, you know, after they get their food. And the chef comes out and recognizes Rob, and Rob apparently had fired him at some point. 
Because he overcooked the pasta. He always overcooked the pasta. That's yeah, why. <laughs> I, I love that, too. Uh, Rob's attention to detail, and he says it at one point in the movie, that he remembers every person that he's ever cooked for, every person that he's ever done anything for. Like, he just remembers people and, like, very detail-oriented. <laughs> yeah, he's a very... his. It, you can tell that relationships with other people are special to him, you know? Yeah. But, uh, so they're sitting down with a chef, and, um... You know, he he doesn't really want to give up the information, but uh, the chef's name is Derek, and Rob goes, uh, Derek, why do you care about these people? They don't care about you. None of them. They don't even know you because you haven't shown them. Every day you wake up and there will be less of you. You live your life for them and they don't even see you. You don't even see yourself. Like, he's so... Yeah, his delivery is incredible. Yeah. Definitely, I did not that that line justice but <laughs> um but like that kind of you know everyone there is out to impress somebody else but it almost seems like rob is not there to impress anybody you know even when he was right. a chef like he's just doing it for the love of it i guess right he he, he genuinely life loves cooking and he loves cooking for other people you know and he, it, like it just like you said, his attention to detail and how much he remembered about the different dishes and the different uh, customers and stuff, and it just when it, like when he gives that speech to that guy at the restaurant, it's just disarming. Like you're even even I was like, man, and he completely rocked that that chef's world. Like he blew his mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that chef. I mean, he just sat there and signed. I mean, did he ever say another word after that? <laughs> if he did, it was very little. <laughs> And he looked like he was about to burst into tears at any moment. Yeah, and because he knew he was right, you know? He knew yeah. At the end of the day, he knew he was right. That. And there's definitely, as I said, there's a lot of extended dialogue sequences. That was definitely the highlight for me. And, like, a lot of... I don't know, I just didn't expect that element of it. The, yeah. Uh, thematic depth of who he is. Yeah, and I, there's a there's a ton of metaphors like wrapped up in all the 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 goings forths and the dealings between all the people and and the the pig relationship even and stuff that's I think are really powerful and and kind of like fun to unpack you know and and explore and think about because I've thought about this movie like a lot since I watched it and I'm I already like I want to watch it again you know yeah. There was another, this might count as a spoiler, so I guess you can cut it if you think it's a spoiler. But Okay. Rob goes to the restaurant he used to own, and he meets with the girl he sold it to. And that relationship there was kind of, because she was like, why are you here? And he, you know, he's just there for a assaulted baguette because she makes the best i guess and he's like right. did, did you change the recipe at all she's like nope <laughs> you know they're the, still the same way so like his attention i don't know he, you could tell that he cares about people and stuff like right this is pretty unique i can't think of another revenge film where the main character doesn't hurt anybody right yeah i this is a super unique movie and, and like we've said oh, it's kind of the antithesis to a, a revenge movie and and just packed full of of emotional depth and great performances and cinematography and locations and just go rent or buy this movie you know 
Yeah, it's going to end up on many uh, best of lists. And I'm curious if uh, Nicolas Cage might get an Oscar nomination for it, because I feel like it might be deserved. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I'm kind of with you there. I think he does such a good job. Maybe his best performance ever. Yeah, it's definitely up there, I think. And it's very, as we said, different than what he normally does. So, Right. And it's kind of the film, that it's the type of film that they like to honor. So I'd be interested yeah. to see if he uh, gets it. Um, yeah, I am too. That's kind of, it's going to be fun now that you brought that up to see. Well, I guess what we, uh, what we kind of did for the back half of this episode is the, the movies that we both watched individually that we're going to tell you about are proper kind of re- more, well, more proper, at least revenge movies, uh, than, than pig was more traditional, I should say, because pig is proper as fuck, but you know, yeah, Be- uh, because it well, because yeah, it is a revenge film because he's trying to like go after the people who took his pig, but right, it's also not a revenge film either. I'm not right. sure what so he's not a traditional, yeah, revenge yeah. film, yeah. And I, um, like, as I said, I can't think of another one like it really off the top of my head, yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, and so we, we've paired them with, with uh, just kind of more traditional revenge films, and uh, we haven't who wants to go first here? You can. I usually go first, so I think you should go first this time. Okay. I my movie was uh, called Bad Day for the Cut, directed by Chris Baugh, released in 2017, and you can watch this on Netflix. And it's more of a standard, uh, more traditional, I should say, um, revenge film in the sense that. This guy does seek violent vengeance, um, but but I guess let me start with the plot. So basically, um, there's a guy named Donald, and he's a middle-aged Irish guy, and he, he lives on a f- kind of a remote farm with, with his aging mother who's, like, you can tell she's not. She's at the at the last leg of her life, you know. She's not in good shape, and she can barely get around, and he does a lot for her, and, like, Kind of the first time you're introduced to to Donald and his mother, she she falls down and she's calling for help and she he wakes up and has to go help her up on the bathroom floor and stuff. So you know she's not in good shape and you can tell that he kind of he really loves his mom and he he wants to be there for her and stuff. But you can also tell that it really is like it puts a strain on him because he goes to a bar early on in the movie and. Like, there's this person making fun of him because he lives with his mother or whatever, this younger guy, and he ends up, like, getting the younger guy thrown out of the bar or whatever, but it's just, I don't know, it's like you can tell that when that happens and stuff, he, he kind of thinks about it, and he's kind of, like, down on himself a little bit about his situation, Yeah, you know? it's it's kind of uh, like Nebraska when we covered that. Like, he's kind of, you know, he's kind of, you know, he wants to be there for his dad, but he's kind of ashamed, too. Of- yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 that's a good comparison, yeah. And so basically, he, he, there's a guy who owes him money. And so he goes over there to collect right at the beginning of the movie. And when he goes up to this guy's house, this guy's like, I'm not going to be able to pay you in full. And he's like, oh, shit. And he's like, but I got something for you. So he gives him $200 and this, like, kind of shitty, like, RV. <laughs> And it's kind of a fixer-upper, but he agrees to do this, and he takes it home or whatever, because he that was the day after he'd had the 
encounter at the bar and he kind of was like i think saw that as a way to kind of have his own space and so he brings it back puts it in the, the barn at the house and he spends the next couple days working on it and stuff well one night he's out there working late he had drank some beer and stuff and he fell asleep in the trailer well he wakes up to his mother screaming for help and he runs out the door to see a man getting back in a car and the car speeds off and he walks inside to see his mother dead on the floor and she's been like bashed over the head and so they have her funeral and stuff and then literally like the next night he like hears something while he's asleep and he goes outside and is like checking it out well he goes to the barn and there's two guys in the barn and they have like a noose tied up on his like his track coat and stuff that's in there and like these two guys are wearing masks and everything and they basically like hold him at gunpoint and tell him like you're gonna get on this rope and stuff and so you know that they're somehow connected with the people who killed his mom and he ends up kind of fighting these guys and getting away and he puts one of them's head under the hood of this car that's in his barn and just completely bashes his fucking head in with the hood and then the dude's like laying there all fucked up and the other guy's like completely out at this point he's like i'm not doing anything i'm just laying here on the ground man like don't kill me and donald picks up a sledgehammer and is like beating the hood of the car with the guy under it and stuff so it's like that's the first kind of violent encounter of the movie and so it sets the tone kind of for what's to come and basically Donald ties this guy up and throws him in the back of his van and is like alright fuck this you know like I'm going to get these guys and he ends up he talks to this guy and finds out his name is Bartos Bartos it's a Polish name so I'm probably pronouncing that wrong um, it's like Bartos is the movie it's in English yeah, it is in English. It's set in Ireland, but this guy just happens to be Polish. Um, but he does speak English. And that he, he finds out that this guy only was doing it because his sister is being f held hostage by these criminals and being forced into prostitution. And that he got caught trying to rescue her. And so they're like making him repay that and not killing him by making him go and do jobs for him and so that's why he was here doing this and he's just trying to get his sister back so donald kind of tells him well all right either i'm gonna kill you or you're gonna help me and we'll get your sister too you know and so then they kind of like unwillingly the <laughs> bartas forms a friendship with with donald and it, it's kind of similar to um how he described the relationship between uh, Rob and Amir and, and Pig. It's like the, the relationship starts off like they shouldn't even be friends because one of them just tried to kill this guy and then now he had him hostage and then now they're working together. But they end up like forming a bond throughout the movie and they kind of are together most of the movie. And I guess I don't know how much further I want to go with plot. They kind of, 
after they decide to work together, they start working their way up the ladder and trying to find information about why these people killed Donald's mom and figure out where his uh, where Bartaz's sister's at. And there's some really great like action sequences, and it all feels super grounded and kind of dark and gritty. And I really like the way they handle the revenge and kind of handled Donald's kind of hesitation with some of it and kind of you can tell when he gets angry his hesitation goes away but then he always like reflects on it and kind of I don't know they kind of explore the the is what he's doing right you know and should he even be doing this at all and I, I like that that it kind of dives into that moral gray area of of revenge he's not just like a badass motherfucker killer you know like he's just yeah he's not john wick <laughs> right exactly he's just a normal guy and a, honestly a, a non-violent guy really he's just a farmer you know and it's it's like seeing a, a normal dude just kind of come unhinged it it reminded me a lot of uh of blue, blue ruin. ruin i was just gonna say that it sounds a lot like blue ruin where it's like just the everyman sort of like he's just right. a normal person Ooh. Yeah, exactly. And, like, he gets his ass kicked a couple times, you know? Like, he doesn't... Like, like it's not like John Wick and stuff in the sense of he always wins, you know? He kind of barely makes it out of a couple situations and stuff, so it's... I don't know, the tension is really there. You wonder, you know, like, how is this going to turn out when you're watching it? And I think the, the, the finale and the payoff is really good, and it doesn't overstay its welcome, really. It's, it's 99 minutes, that's with credits and everything, so... Yeah. A little over an hour and a half, uh, and I think it tells a really cool and unique and layered story. By I, I did not expect this uh, this narrative to go where it went by the time it was over. It sounds really like a and stuff. definitely a, a typical revenge setup, but uh, yeah, yeah, sounds, definitely. And they kind of sounds well done. They put yeah, yeah, it is. It's well shot, and like the action's good, and the the effects and stuff of when there is violence and stuff it's looks bloody and it's you know realistic and he does some dark stuff to some of these people to get the information he needs but it's it always feels ragtag and not planned he didn't he doesn't have like a warehouse he takes these people to he just like throws their ass on the ground beats the shit out of them and then does what he has to do to get what it needs you know yeah and it's kind of i like it it was really well done and really a fun watch yeah, uh, you said where it was streaming at was Netflix. Yeah, you can Netflix. get this on Netflix. I liked it a lot. It's 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 kind of like uh uh like that movie I talked about previously on the show, The Horseman. It's kind of some parallels to that also with the the kind of sex ring enemies. The the bad guys are running like this kind of sex ring, and that's kind of the same idea in The Horseman. Only it's like a pornography ring, but it's the same. Same kind of thing. So it definitely has elements from other revenge movies, like you said, but I think the twist is pretty unique, and the, the, the way it turns out is is pretty unique, and the, yeah. and the way the you know the revenge itself is handled is pretty cool. And not everything needs to rewrite the book like Pig did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. For, for a, a traditional revenge film, this, this was a really good one, I thought. Just with your, uh, what you watched, Nick. Alright, so I watched, and mine is 
almost non-violent. It's violent, but it doesn't really show it. But uh, it's the 2018 fantasy horror film. That's what they're calling it. Uh, the Headhunter, directed by Jordan Downey, who this is his directorial debut, I believe. <laughs> wow. So, okay. Uh, but it is only 72 minutes long, and I know you like that. Uh shortness <laughs> yeah i do man you know i do <laughs> <laughs> but uh i mean with the story that they're trying to tell you couldn't really go much longer than that it almost could have benefited from being a short like a 40 minute you know quicker even but uh yeah it was made on a budget of thirty thousand dollars which is wicked impressive considering how good it looks with the costuming and the set design like it looks like it's you know, it looks better than some million-dollar movies. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, I saw some screenshots, and, like, when when you were talking about it, I looked it up, and you sent me some, and, like, it looks really good, and, like, production quality is, is really good. It's there, you know? Yeah, and uh, I guess the, the costume that the main character wears, because he's a... I guess I'll set up the movie first. Uh, the, he, he is a bounty hunter for the nearby village, and he lives, like, remotely, like, uh, how Rob does in Pig, like, he's off to himself, like, there's nobody that ever visits him, or, he's the only person in the whole movie, with the exception of one, like, one second scene of an archer, like, waving to him, but he's, like, the yeah. only person in the whole movie, so, like, he wow, lives okay. in isolation, and he spends his days and nights uh, hunting monsters for the village to craft, like, potions to heal himself with, and... Like, he's just preparing for the monster who killed his daughter to return so that he can seek revenge on... Re revenge for her, I guess. Um, hmm. Yeah, so, like, he's just, you know, buying time until he can fulfill his, you know, what he wants to do. And... Yeah. The movie, it opens with this really cool, it's like, five, ten minutes. It's just like a slow pan through the house of, like his setup and you know him concocting the potions and he's got all the heads of the monsters on the wall and like you could tell he means business <laughs> you know he's got all the weapons and um, right for like 30 minutes of the movie if not more it's just him going in and out at in the day and night like just going to hunt the monsters but you never see him physically go out and hunt the monsters you just see him leaving and returning with the with the head and you know that the head the heads look really cool and the monster design looks really cool with the um that's kind of a cool way of like kind of the, the it makes it unique and looks cool but also say, probably saved them a good bit of money you know yeah i was gonna say i mean with thirty thousand dollars there's no way they could have extended action sequences against monsters like the witcher or something right. like that you know <laughs> but yeah uh, exactly they they saved all that action for the the finale which is you know when he goes to finally fight the monster he's been waiting for. And, right. you know, that's it. I th it. The monster isn't, like, amazing or anything, but I thought it was a cool little 20-minute, you know, back and forth between them, and, you know, you could see the, the battle. The costume that he wears, so it's like an armored... He wears, like, an armored, like, a helmet and stuff. Uh, The director, Jordan Downey, found at a Spirit Halloween sale... Like, on November 1st after Halloween, so it was, like, in the clearance section. And <laughs> he took it to this, uh... 
a prop store or armor props and armor like a place that specializes in building prop armor and yeah. they made it up and they aged it to look you know like it was you know to be used in a okay. fantasy sort of world so like that's cool yeah what he's wearing is a fucking halloween costume <laughs> really <laughs> which is that's crazy. and it looks really good like in the, all yeah. the pictures like it looks cool yeah, it looks amazing in live every time he puts it on. Because, like, obviously when he's sitting around, he's not wearing it, but he'll put it on right before he goes out to go hunt, whatever. And yeah. <laughs> it looks super cool in the weapon. And, you know, I like the the attention to detail on, like, the potion. It, it I've seen a lot in the letterbox. They compare it to if, like, Skyrim was a movie. Because it, it does have that feel okay. of, like, that fantasy world. And I like this tidbit, too, on the IMDb trivia. It said that the composer... Um, Nick Sewell approached the film score as if it took place on a medieval planet. He wanted there to be a sense of otherworldly and unsettling about the music in the film. So, like, he wanted it to feel like it did not take place on Earth, and I think he succeeded because it feels very unique. Yeah. And how it sounds. That sounds cool. It definitely feels like it's this fantastical planet full of it, monsters. It even kind of looks like that. Uh, yeah. in like the trailer and the, and everything like it looks kind of like a, another planet almost yeah yeah but I'd say if you're looking for like medieval or fantasy like production value like this movie delivers on all fronts like it looks incredible the set design the environments the you know the house his armor the weapon and like at 72 minutes I think it's worth a watch but also it's very bare bones with how it approaches this like almost non-existent story, <laughs> you know, cause it's just him. Like there's no dialogue. There's a, like, I think right. thir 13 lines of dialogue in the whole movie. Wow. What? Really? Yeah. Like th there's barely any dialogue at all. Okay. I'm, this is interesting. I'm going to have to check this out. It's been on my shutter watch list for oh, a minute. Yeah. Did I uh, mention that it's on shutter? I think you did, but yeah, yeah it's it, it's on Shutter, and I I've, I've scrolled past it, you know, so many times, and it's on my watch list and stuff, and I just have never actually watched it. But like, this sounds super cool, and yeah. like the thirteen lines of dialogue thing—that's it was also made with a crew of only five people. Like, wow, yeah. So like the direct uh, the director uh, Jordan Downey did all the makeup. Uh, he did for everybody. He did all the makeup. And I'm assuming like the blood effects and all that stuff he did all himself. So hell yeah. So it's like a it's kind of like a do it yourself movie. <laughs> like it's yeah. Kind of D impressive. DIY films are a thing. Uh, we we actually have a, a DIY film as part of our very first ever Void Video Discord watch party coming up with with Duel on the River on August 21st. Uh, that's a, that's a DIY movie made for like two grand. So that's definitely a thing. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm curious about this, too, because on the IMDb trivia, like, some of this stuff was taken off of, uh, Jordan was apparently on a podcast called the Shockwaves podcast, and <laughs> I guess we're going to plug another podcast here, but, uh, yeah, I don't know if you could seek out that episode, and uh, I'm, I'm going to try to and, uh, you know, see what he has to say about how he made the film and any interesting, because it's... Like I'd be curious if somebody gave him fifteen million dollars, what he could make if he made that for thirty thousand. You know? Right. 
like that's you know someone gave him you know the green knight just came out and it's 15 million like if somebody right. gave him 15 million like it just yeah, said, I think go that's crazy <laughs> that's kind of one of my favorite things about independent movies is seeing seeing films made for just an like absolute minimal budget you know something like like this or like uh tex montana you know or it's it's like like thirty thousand dollars is it's a car <laughs> like yeah exactly <laughs> they made the whole movie for the price of a car <laughs> it, it's so cool to see these directors who like you just know if somebody gave them enough you know a, a big budget that they'd make something incredible it's cool to see that and you can just kind of tell with some some movies you know yeah, like even if like they gave him an episode of you know The Witcher or something like that, like just right, give, give him. I don't know. Somebody's got to give this guy. I don't know. This movie was made in twenty eighteen. It was released in twenty nineteen, so it's still relatively new. And I'm not sure what else he's working on, but I'm definitely interested to see what he does next after this. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check this out. Sounds like something I might. I might like. I always thought. I could protect her. What took her from me is still out there. I guess... To, did you? Is there anything else you wanted to add to Headhunter? Just trying to think. Um, no, not that I could think of. Oh, the poster. The poster is a ten out of ten too. If you look on the Wikipedia, the theatrical release poster. I definitely got to try to get that. Oh, is it to hang on the wall? <laughs> like the Headhunter movie. I'm gonna check this out. And I'm gonna describe it to the listeners here. Oh, oh shit. Okay, you're talking about the one with the sky behind him and stuff. Yeah, with the giant. Yeah, that looks incredible. On the Holy Wiki- shit. On the Wikipedia? That's yeah. The, yeah, it's got like the blue at the bottom and stuff. And man, that's really cool. It's I can't describe that. Google it, listeners. <laughs> but that's amazing. <laughs> Definitely amazing. Yeah. It's but a- to close out the episode, I want to hit you with a surprise question. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. Question this this is going to end badly. <laughs> No, 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 no. I just, I just think a cool way to go out here would be to mention like, what are some of your favorite revenge movies? Like oh. Maybe just three or four, you know, Put me that you really like. Spot. Uh, I can go first and give you time to. Uh, okay. Yeah. Go. Assemble something here. <laughs> um, there's one, uh, a movie that came out in 2009, a British film called Harry Brown, uh, starring Michael Caine, who you may know. Uh, as Alfred in the the Dark Knight trilogy, um, and he's the the protagonist, and he's a uh, an elderly man, uh, widowed, and he was a he was a Marine veteran in the Royal Marines and served in Ireland, and he's like living in this housing project that's like kind of descending into crime a bit, and he like the the cops aren't doing anything about it, and this gang like murders his friends, so. He starts cleaning the streets up, and it's it's pretty cool. Like I like that movie; it's really well done. And I don't hear a lot of people talk about it, but I think it is pretty popular. I mean, a lot of people have probably seen it. Yeah, 
but yeah i hadn't heard of this uh but i'll hit you with one uh and i've recommended this to you before uh cold in july it, cold it, in july it, uh, it, the, the only reason I watched this was I, I binged Dexter in like a month after it was already all out so like I was you know into Michael C. Hall oh, yeah. and this okay. movie stars Michael C. Hall and it is a revenge film it's very much in the vein of like Blue Ruin or like uh, the one you talked about here on this episode what the hell was the name of it? Oh yeah Bad Day for the Cut yeah where it's like a very like a real he's a, he's a regular person okay but I, some, I remember this now that you mention it. That yes. you, you recommended me this. Essentially, somebody breaks into his house. He kills him, and it turns he kills him in self defense. And then it turns out that the person he killed was part of a like a gang of um, outlaws, I guess. And they go to seek revenge on him, so he has to go defend himself. So it's like a yeah, that's kind of it's like a flipped revenge movie. Yeah, it's almost. like a flipped revenge movie because he's defending himself from the people seeking revenge. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, I really like that movie a lot. Very good. I'm gonna have to check that out. Um, the the next one that I uh, really like is is called In a Valley of Violence, uh, directed by Ty West, a 2016 movie, uh, starring Ethan Hawke. Uh, John Travolta and Thaisa Farmiga. Yeah. Oh, it's got one of the Farmigas. Farmiga, yeah, and, Farmiga. and Karen Karen Gillan is also in it. Nice. And Larry Fessenden. Good. You know? Wow, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a cool, it's a Western revenge movie, and it's, I call it John Wick of the West, because John Wick these, of the West. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> because these guys kill this, this uh, cowboy's dog. And he fucks them up royally for it, too. Um, and you can watch that one on Netflix. Uh, it's on Netflix. and t- t- I like Ty West in general. I think he's a he's a cool director that did, like, House of the Devil and stuff. And it's cool to see him branch out from horror and do this Western. It's actually pretty kick-ass. Yeah, um, so for my next one, I would recommend the 2017 movie just called Revenge. Uh, it is a French film. And so it's... In another language, so uh, definitely uh, I, if you're not into foreign films, but <laughs> I know it's not an issue for us, but maybe other people. Right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's actually one I've I've always wanted to watch and never have. Oh, it is very very violent. So it's about this girl, and she's at this like hunting cabin with her fiance or boyfriend. I'm not sure. It, boyfriend i would just say boyfriend but essentially two of her hunting buddies come back and they one of them rapes her and she escapes runs away and impales herself while running away oh from them my god in the middle of the desert and they just leave her because they're like oh she's dead but she's not dead <laughs> so she picks herself up from you know off the Daker. I forgot what it is. It's like a, some sort of environmental thing that she impales herself on, but she gets off of there, and then she goes back to uh, seek revenge on them. And it's very, very violent. Very, very well shot. And it's also directed by uh, a female. Uh, Care... Coralie Fargo? Is that oh. how you pronounce that? Far, far, Fargia? Fargeau? Yeah, I'm not... <laughs> 
I'll I'll let you so, take the blame for butchering that. Yeah, we need a met, we need uh, we need Kelly from uh, Mormons from the Morgue to be our uh, our translator here. She really nailed that name, and man, I, we just fuck it up every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so I think that that gives it that unique perspective on it too that we don't see very often, and it also reminds me of I guess I'll do the third one, and this is gonna be the most well known, but a promising young woman from last year was one of probably in my top two movies of last year so i thought okay. that one was fantastic yeah i love that movie too and if it's kind of similar to that then definitely well no no it's not similar to that i'm just saying because it's female directed oh okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Re- revenge is more like cold in july or blue ruin than it is anything else because it's hyper violent and like i guess you would describe it as hot because it like looks like scorching hot the whole time <laughs> yeah i mean well they're in the desert so that i think that makes sense you know yeah. but uh, <laughs> the, the protagonist in it is fantastic she's one of the better uh, i see this listed yeah as like one yeah. of the, the best uh, i would you know revenge movies definitely up there um and i guess since you since that was your last one and it kind of ties into these three as well uh Violation, which we actually have an interview with with Madeline and Dusty, the the directors of that movie. Uh, I think it's super unique in the way it tackles the the revenge process and the and the uh, kind of the framing of it is is unique and different, which will be a turnoff for some people, but I, I actually really liked it. Uh, it's got a brilliant score, and what, we talk all about it in the episode. You can go check that out, but definitely recommend that one. It's on Shutter. Yeah. I think I I know which one we might both agree that it's the best revenge film, uh, The Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> oh man, that's classic. a great movie. Classic. Yeah, that's a classic movie. <laughs> we both love that movie. We got to do like a bonus episode on Count of Monte Cristo one day, just because we both love it. Yeah, that's a fantastic revenge film. Definitely yeah. not as hyper violent as these other ones, and like, because but some <laughs> of the best choreographed sword fighting sequences yeah. ever. And also, like, I love the the long how long it takes him to get his revenge makes it more satisfying because it's like a yeah two plus hour movie it's almost a two and a half hour movie i think and yeah it's like it's like two hours of him just getting the shit kicked out of him and losing at every turn and then he like finally you know gets his revenge yeah and like it, it seems like at times he's not gonna get it and but you know the the two hours pays off in glorious fashion great great revenge film yeah that's a great movie for sure. I'm glad you brought that up. But And then, of course, I like the classics of the genre, like I Spit on Your Grave and Last House on the Left and stuff like that. But I think some of these we named are just some of the more unique ones and, you know, maybe less talked about ones that you should check out. Yeah, I definitely like that. I don't even know what you would call that vein of... Because Blue Ruin, Cold in July, uh, Revenge, the 2017 movie. Uh, yeah, Bad Day for the Cut and all that. Yeah, like Every like- Man. Kind they're of like every that, woman revenge movie. Yeah, but and they're also just super, super violent. <laughs> yeah, and when like, he when and bad day for the cut when he picked up that sledgehammer and started beating the fucking hood on top of that guy's head. I'm like, all right, this is taken off, and I think I'm gonna like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot of really good revenge. Lots of different. Yeah, and types. I think that. It, it's, yeah, I was gonna say that's what that's what I was just gonna say is that I think it's an interesting genre because there's so many different ways you can tackle it and so many different ways it has been tackled and handled and I just think it's interesting and I think it's a genre that we'll see 
kind of live on forever. I think revenge is such a a human topic that I think you'll see this is a genre that will never really go away. Yeah, you know what else is a really great revenge film, and it's super long, and the payoff makes it worth it. Uh, Ridley Scott's Gladiator. That's yeah, uh, yeah. Well, once again, like three hours. It takes him three hours to get his fucking revenge, but damn, is it worth it? <laughs> yeah, or like Django Unchained is another bigger yeah, one like that. Yeah. You know, that's like great revenge movie, and it's long as fuck. Jeez, that one's like two and a half, three hours, also. But that fin- final scene when the fucking house explodes, man, is just great. <laughs> And he's he's like smoking the uh, the cigar or whatever. <laughs> yeah, just I mean, there's a lot of really good. It's also there's a lot of really good mainstream ones too. I think like compared there are yeah, like because they, they can always be set in different eras too. Because like even stuff like Upgrade, you know, is kind of like a sci-fi twist on like Revenge, and yeah. like there's different. You know, like you can set it in different eras and make the story completely different, which is pretty cool well, and, and like a lot of genres are still super similar even though they're in different times you know yeah because like even star trek has revenge films and they're like star trek to the wrath of khan it's, it's obviously yeah. told from the alternate perspective of not the villain because the villain's the one seeking the revenge so you're not really seeing it from right. this angle for the most part but it's definitely that's actually one of the star trek things i've seen is those original movies yes yeah, i'm definitely not a star trek person but i've seen those yeah and star trek into darkness has con in it as well and uh yeah definitely good i guess revenge they're, they're not really revenge films but they have revenge themes elements so, to them yeah yeah and a lot of popular stuff has revenge yeah. elements to it yeah i, th- I think it's a, a cool genre and one that i enjoy and and almost always will seek out new ones and stuff you know and, and try to watch them and but the question is, can you name another non-violent one like Pig? <laughs> yeah, I don't. That's what I was thinking. Is this whole time I've been trying to find one that's like that, and I it's that's, I think that's really cool that there's still new kinds of revenge films that are able to be made. You know, yeah. I think that's yeah. So I guess we cool. could just end the episode with uh, if you got any revenge films where the person seeking the revenge does not go through violent means to get it. On our Discord and and uh, and tell us uh, and, and hit us with any other re- revenge recommendations that you have that you think are cool and maybe underappreciated, you know. And also, like I like I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, we have that uh, watch party double feature coming up with Duel on the River and Steven Spielberg's Duel uh, with a Q and A in the middle featuring the director of Duel on the River, Isaac Rathi. So that's happening on August twenty first at nine p.m. Eastern time, 9 p.m. Eastern time, and um, all you got to do to participate is click the link in the description and join our Discord. Till next time, thanks for listening to Void Video.